It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. Dave Hanready, and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 155 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We're back for another week of discussion <laughs> on the Heads of Podcast Network. Craig Fitzpatrick. Dave, how are you? Are you good? I'm all right. I had a long day. You know how it is. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah man. I'm good. They were playing Michael Jackson in the office, and I had to tell them to turn it off, and now they think I'm a massive square. It's over, is it? It's over. <laughs> it was over a long time ago. Uh, I haven't seen the documentary. We'll, no, we'll discuss either, it. Yeah. We'll ask our special guest this week, Mary-Kate Garrity. <laughs> Dave, Craig... How are you? Welcome. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Welcome Did you back. Just try and launch me in on a, on a Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's your hot take? This section is called a preamble. I don't consider. <laughs> um, got your journalism, <laughs> and I've got me one of these. There it is. Oh, here we go. Nice. Bit of a throwback. You both did them off mic, even though I said do it I on mic. I was on mic. Right. People heard that. Cheers, we can, guys. We can cheers. 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 We can boost it in the mix. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, um, so we won't start with MJ. Anyone else who wants to consider bringing in a podcast, I brought the cans. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, we won't start with MJ. We'll start with... Uh, what we start with? Um, let's talk about your trip to London. I went to London. <laughs> Dave, you did not. Do you know what else, guys? And everyone's had the same reaction to this, and I assume you will too. My first time ever in London. What? See? There it is. 
Did you get mugged or not appreciated? No. Okay. I didn't. <laughs> it was grand. It was very hectic. I went over to see Billie Eilish, who yeah. we'll be discussing later in the show in the Songs of the Week section. I didn't hear any updates from you, and I usually do, so I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I probably have to go to your Instagram feed now to get those kind of updates. No, there was, there, was <laughs> a limited... there was a couple of Instagram stories, but not that many. He okay. just links directly to his tweets now and WhatsApp messages. Yeah, so I've noticed don't even that. That's how yeah. it goes, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was very hectic. We went straight from the airport to the hotel to the gig. Hotel was two doors down from the gig. That was nice. Oh, swank! It was swank, swank, swank. That's what we say around here when we're excited. Yeah. yeah. So, so okay, should, should I talk about Billy Eilish now, or should I wait till songs of the week? Tell us about the hotel. It was nice. <laughs> okay. The staff were terrible. Oh, they're really oh, rude. Dang. They were very rude. You didn't yeah. get like locked in your own bathroom this time, did you? No. Usually when you go on your journalistic jaunts. That happened That's once. That's what Dave says when he spends too long in the bathroom. He's like, oh, there was a problem with the lock. On the no, do you, do you want to tell her? Tell what? Her. When you got locked in Austria. a bathroom with the lights off and couldn't find the lock took, or the light? Took me or, about 45 minutes to get out of that bathroom. Was this after the industrial oh. warehouse disco you were at? That was or, in Berlin. And was it before you invented the old man that didn't That exist? was in Austria. Why's old man? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This, I thought this would be more amusing. This no, really it wasn't a great time. You painted a sad picture. That included the time when I went to like a club and I went to like wipe dirt off my runner or something and it was glass and I slashed my hand open. Smash cut to me behind the bar getting my hand dressed by some bartender lady who I started chatting up. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Bad times. Wow. Yeah, I'm glad we're reliving that now. Yeah, I'm glad we opened with that. Let's take my first swig of this beer. Take my first. This <laughs> unknown beer that is not sponsoring the show and this will not be named. <laughs> so the hotel was grand. Um, Very nice. Nice room, yeah. The gig, I've, I've heard reports that were good. Yeah, nice. I'm, I like Billie Eilish. She's got an upcoming album that we're going to be discussing. Yes. I'm excited yes. about that. She is half my age, so that was interesting. <laughs> Uh, as were most of the crowd. The crowd, which included Nick Grimshaw of BBC Radio 1 fame, before she came out on stage... like Was he in a box like the Queen? He was in a box, and everyone was like looking up <laughs> and the screaming. Ground, on the ground standing area, he was just in a... People were screaming. <laughs> it was <laughs> deafening. I was like, who the fuck is up there? It turns out it was Nick Grimshaw, and I was like, I didn't realise he had that much pull. Uh, Brooklyn and Romeo Beckham were there. Oh, the boys. The boys. Where was um, um, Cruz? <laughs> I don't know. Is that his name? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I enjoyed the gig. I thought you meant Tom. <laughs> Tom's always at the gigs. Yeah. It was strange. Where was Cruzy? Cruiser. <laughs> it was strange enough because it was like this kind of mix of pop and metal. And I mean, she did the thing that you know, like the everyone crouch down and then jump up thing, which is quite played out now. Uh, I enjoyed right, that. Dave. I enjoyed that when I well, seventeen. I enjoyed that when I, but I enjoyed that when I did that seventeen years yeah, ago yeah, when yeah, I see well, Slipknot. Jesus, you're one of those people now. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> I'm in my thirties, as we know. So yeah, she's cool. I like her a lot. It was a fun gig, a good Monday night out in London. And uh, what did you do after? Went back to the hotel, had a drink, went to bed. Oh, re- did you uh, not leave the hotel except for the venue that was two doors in did- London? I was up at like six the next morning, man. There was like this was a fucking the definition of a whistle stop, okay. whatever the fuck. Right. Um, so, what was your hot take on London from the brief glimpses you saw? I couldn't possibly sum it up. Uh, you hardly went for it. You might you'd admit, would you? No, I, mean, I went. You, to, you didn't exactly throw yourself into the um, experience. Experience, no. yeah. So maybe we'll we'll reserve your review of London for a <laughs> different yeah, trip. I thought you'd come yeah. back with like Cockney rhyming slang and all sorts. No, there, there was a there was a chair in the form oh. of the Union Jack, a cushion on the chair in the form of a Union Jack uh, in the that. hotel, which I didn't like. 
You didn't bring home, no? <laughs> and would you like to elaborate on your feelings at the Union Jack? <laughs> we have this tight schedule. I wasn't mad about that, to be honest with you. You've not already cared one way or another about these things. It really but... crushes my nuts to see things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to take in the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it was grand. Uh, oh, yeah, it was weird because like, I guess I tweeted about the Billy Eilish gig while I was at it. And yeah. afterwards, people were sliding into my DMs being like, hello, what time is the concert finish at, please? Because she was playing like three nights. And then there was someone who was like, I see from your tweets that you're at Billy Eilish this evening. Can you tell me when the concert... And I didn't respond to these people. I was yeah. like, what? Like, what's Dahi happening? would have been furious giving out secret stage time information yeah, like well, that. Dahi's not here, is he? No, he's not. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> he, had, he had better things to do this week. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. Or However, <laughs> before I went to London, um, the news broke that Keith Flint passed away at mm. the age of 49, reportedly by suicide, according to members of the band. Um, I was in that rare, rare position where I was giving a taxi driver useless information that he probably thought was useless, uh, as opposed to the way around. Because I, I said to him when I got in the cab, did you hear about Keith Flint from The Prodigy? Which led to him being like, is that true? And I said, I think it is. And then on the radio, they announced it seconds later. And it was oh. that thing of the radio DJ doing the classic precursor of can't say I was ever a fan of the man's music and yeah. I'm like, like what why are we the, still doing what that is the wow like why are we doing that well I mean it was just like the sewer there's no point in talking and being shocked by what people say at times like that I mean mm. there really isn't mm. but people saying like straight away you know oh, I was supposed to go see the prodigy in a couple of months this is it yeah this they is, were, and what they yeah. meant was they're probably not going to be playing now and people commenting back going well, Keith Flint isn't even on a lot of those tracks. It's like, oh, really? Now, now Jesus, you want yeah. to, now you want to prove your knowledge of the band, and that's all that it is. Is yeah. people wanting to show what they know? It's that's yeah, it's a strange thing. I mean, like, I tweeted out saying like, oh, you know, I was obsessed with the Prodigy run because I was for a while. And on the plane on the way what over, what's your favorite album? My favorite Prodigy album, music for the Jilted Generation. Mania would be. What was that mean? <laughs> yeah, he's such a hipster. <laughs> it's the first one I ever heard. <laughs> I'm only joking. Wow. No one was, says that as well. He got you pretty easily wound up there, Dave. <laughs> Have you met me? Thought so. And what the hell was that supposed to mean? What the fuck does that mean? Don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, like, shout out to the film Hackers for having oh, yeah, people yeah, in yeah, it. Very you know? true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like I said. So like, it's you and Leo for Hacker. No, <laughs> I, I feel like if I had said the experience, that's the hipster answer. Very true, yeah. yeah you've got the me. best of the Prodigy uh, singles, 89 to 04 or whatever it was. So uh, on the plane on the way over, I couldn't get signal on my phone. And I didn't want to crash the plane. So yeah. I wrote an article on my phone, which I've never done before. And I was like, this could be a scrawling mess, but I'm writing it while I'm at 35,000 feet. Let's try and see if it works. And I wrote an article. It's up on Joe. It's a bit of a tribute piece I tried to do. Uh, it was just my whole kind of takeaway from the Prodigy, a band that I have like slagged off in recent years when they've gone off the boil because they did. My kind of contention with them, though, was like for a time and for quite a lot of time, they were genuinely counterculture standard bearers. They were phenomenal. They were they came into your fucking television set and freaked out your parents. Yeah. Keith Flint was a one man moral panic thing. And that was great. And of course, it's no surprise to me to read that, like the immense tributes that have kind of come in from other people and contemporaries and so on. Almost everyone. And I know when someone dies, you're hardly going to say bad things about them. But like. It painted a picture of a guy who, behind the persona, was like the nicest, sweetest guy in the world. And I wasn't yeah. surprised whatsoever to learn that. I, I thought that made a strange kind of sense. Yeah, I mean, they were. we've talked about it before, the Prodigy being such a kind of iconoclastic band on like a massive scale, where that kind of mm-hmm. quite strange music in the mainstream at the time became massive because of them. They were like number one in the States. It was just, you kind of forget how huge they were for a couple of years. Um, and then just him as a bloke just seems like he was the most down to earth. Nice guy. You're hearing nothing but nice comments and just, it's really kind of sad. 
uh, of course, that odd thing now where when we're seeing people pass away, they're usually on social media. So if you see kind of mu- mundane stuff in the lead up and it's it, they're just gone. There was talk of him. He was just doing like a park run a few days beforehand and like just out in a park in London, just going about his business looking well. And you never know what's going on with people. So, yeah. Very, what was very your favorite Prodigy album? Uh, I was fat at land, yeah, yeah, because I was slightly younger. <laughs> um, he Still are. Yeah. <laughs> That's how time works. I don't know. I don't know if I am. To be honest, there's some weird ripple. In. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> where's this going? We don't have time for this. <laughs> Mary, how do you feel about the Prodigy and aging? Um, well, I was on tour with the Prodigy for Invaders Must Die, um, so I have a soft spot yeah. for that album. Um, but Music for the Jilted Generation would have been my favorite before that, and he was. And I was so, when I spoke about Dolores O'Riordan passing away, I was misrepresented by a couple of people who thought that I knew her, even though I didn't claim to have known her at all. So I was very clear when I tweeted about Keith Flint that I didn't get to know Lee Mell or Keith Flint beyond meeting them a handful of times while we were on tour. Um, and Keith Flint was, an, in my experience, just a really lovely, sincerely lovely person um, who checked in on us a couple of times just to make sure we were all right. He knew we were, he knew this is a huge tour for us. Um, he genuinely checked that we were being treated well and he had absolutely no, um, it was no, of no benefit to him whatsoever in any other way than to actually just want to know that we were, we were all right. Um, so yeah, I kind of thought is, you know, but you're so afraid of it, of like, um, sticking up for someone's character because what what you might hear from other people because I didn't get to meet him yeah. so to, for me to have seen so many people that actually knew him um, describe him in the exact same way it's just it's an incredible thing I mean that band if you think about consistency across the years if you think about the day that you pass away if everybody can say about you that your character was consistently kind and that you were consistently adored by fans mm. um, I mean they were I don't know a lot of bands that can do that festival circuit every single year and still be as much in demand every single year. Um, so consistency across the board for those lads, they, you would have been mistaken at a certain period in their career of thinking, well, this is an absolute, this is the point in time it can't continue. That music still all sounds incredible. Yeah. The, the huge difference between like when, when, when Dolores passed away, um, so much of that music was so radio friendly. So like across the day, in those days and weeks after it, you're hearing these beautiful, um, I didn't hear a lot of daytime radio in Ireland banging on <laughs> Smack My Bitch Up, like in tribute to Keith. So I'd love to have heard a bit more of that. There were like three and four second snippets of voodoo yeah, people yeah. happening. Or sorry, outer space more Who so. Who remembers Firestarter? Yeah. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. But it was, I thought, the, um, yeah, I mean, I think so many of the tributes are beautiful. They, they have beautiful. been, yeah. And also, I mean, like, it's interesting because like they were announced as, and obviously delivered as, one of the final headliners for last year's Electric Picnic Festival. And there was, from myself included, kind of, oh, really, really, like the fucking, the prodigy, really? And then I was there and I saw them and you're like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, people still love this, they still have it, and the tunes hold up. And Keith Flint was a huge part of that. Like, he absolutely was. I know when someone dies, there's, of course, a tendency to go and, like, be, like, as flowery as you can. And like I say, I did write, a, like, a very negative review of a recent Prodigy album because I was like, well, this is fucking terrible. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, like, acts age and don't... No, like, don't, don't always it's, age it's Lee Mello you have the problem with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Keith Hunt was still doing his thing. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, now, unfortunately, we won't get to continue to. It's, it's yeah. really fucking devastating. Yes. And, like, even, like, not to get into a bigger part of this, but, like, it's, as I kind of said in that piece I wrote, 
while referencing a piece I wrote about uh, music and mental health and musicians and suicide last year, it's he's joined a club now that is like less exclusive year on year mm-hmm. and nothing's really changing. And I don't know what the change needs to be. I never did. I wouldn't proclaim or presume to know. Uh, but it's very difficult and it's becoming exceedingly commonplace to see these headlines kind of crop up and fuck all of the media that turned around and avoided guidelines that they know to not avoid and made really kind of light of the situation I'm not going to name who did what but there was a lot of that going around and they didn't avoid it I mean they ignored it ignored it yeah yeah in full knowledge ignored it to avoid it sounds like it was kind of I mean the the lack of ethics Mm. let alone that shouldn't be an ethical issue really either it actually should be illegal yeah, I agree. Yes, issue yeah, entirely yeah. because you can't rely on someone taking ethics into account when they're completely unethical. So yeah. like it shouldn't be a case of of the only law being an ethical law. It should be it should be in the Yeah, I agree. The language with regards to how you kind of present that kind of thing uh, is I don't I don't mean that kind of thing. How, how you present these circumstances is very clear and is widely available and is regularly uh, put forward by groups like the Samaritans when in an incident like this, a high profile incident like this occurs. So there's no excuse. There's no excuse no. to not treat it with the respect that it, that it should get. Um, but we'll pivot now to uh, something else. Craig, have you been listening to the Solange album? That was a I beautiful have. segue, Thank can I just much. say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found myself in my head there. Very smooth. I found myself there. Like, Fuck off, because I found myself in the head there doing the maths, and I was like, am I going to like try and like. No, no, I know. Am I going to try and like cruise liner comedian here? Like swing. So I, I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just so, yeah. I'll treat the listener with respect, Let's and I'll say that we're just Craig. moving to the next yeah. part of the show. Let's okay? get Craig to talk about how Losing You is one of the best pop songs in a decade it's for like 10 my, minutes. It's like my DJ sets where I just stop the song, I hit stop, I give a nod to a couple of people who've been watching, and I, pl- I hit play on the next one it's perfectly fine it's perfectly a fine way of doing business um, but yeah one of the big releases uh, from the past week was Solange's new one um, I was a massive fan of her last record uh, just kind of from a critical standpoint I was like I have a lot of time for a seat at the table but not like real time because I rarely go back and listen to it whatsoever it was one of those it felt like a to pimple butterfly to me where it was a bit of a masterpiece, maybe a real kind of state of the nation address um, but very earnest and sometimes impenetrable with this, um, it's kind of much more opened up. It's a kind of psych soul approach. Um, it's very Stevie Wonder. Um, and I think it's kind of more than some of its parts. It's it's kind of, there's no real skyscraping melodies here. She's moved far away from the kind of Dev Hines synth pop model. She's not going for hits. Um, but it's a really kind of warm and inviting record. And yeah, I'm very much enjoying it. So it came out kind of a surprise drop last week. We're, yeah. It's not our main album review this week. We, like, we haven't skipped forward an hour into the show. Uh, we'll be reviewing the new Sigrid album. And we kind of decided that we would do that in advance. But obviously we don't want to ignore the Solange one. When I asked Mary to be on the show, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a WhatsApp message of Block Capitals at one stage. Uh, shocked at the number of tracks on this Solange album. And then shocked again when you realised <laughs> there was one more. There are, in fact, 19 tracks in this record. <laughs> the... Well, first of all, I mean, I, I think I just missed a bus or a train or something and I was just in a in a humour. Uh, yeah, I know that feeling. But um, <laughs> it was, to be honest, it was just one of those, it's one of those um, completely opposite to the cigarette album, not to, not to get onto that. It is very hard to take in that Solange album on a quick listen. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hugely, um, yeah. So I can, t- I, I need to bookend anything I say about the album by saying that that's an album you need to you need to give time to and like as with anything I can often end up with to this drawing the same conclusion that I mightn't be into it but but I definitely need to give that album um it begs for time and it begs for patience um 
yeah so I mean I would I would have loved more time with it because I would be quick to dismiss an album like that as just something I'm not into yeah um, Losing You I I think I listen to I still listen to it a few times a week oh yeah yeah it's um, amazing uh, and, and more tracks off that record um, so I'm guilty of, as someone who's like Where's my losing you? I'm the Where's same. My, no, I'm the same. Know. I mean, like, she's gone very esoteric and that's fine. That's a creative direction choice. And I think she does pull it off. But ultimately, I found myself in a week where time to actively listen to music was at a bit of a premium. And I was like, I can't. I can't yeah. do a proper review of this. And that's why I kind of was like, we were looking at doing a double review and I thought, I'm not going to I'm not gonna be able to do this justice because I haven't fully sank into like, it yet. Yeah, this is very much, I had it on just as background for quite a lot of the week and then it kind of reveals itself and creeps up on you and then suddenly you're actively listening to it. You know what I mean? So it does, you require time to get that into it. That was my concern with it is that I was like, this sits beautifully as background music. Yeah. And I was thinking, uh, she's so incredible. I can't... I can't come on here yeah. and say that album sounds to me like background music because it's not. It's it's a beautiful album. Yeah. It's so it's 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 got a beautiful steady thread throughout the whole album, but it's also got so many different layers to it. And, yeah, um, yeah. I would love to give it more time. Yeah, it's ornate. So you're you're impressed, yeah? Very much so. Um, it's kind of got trap leanings as well, and you know I've been ragging on trap of late, <laughs> um, but I think it's what kind of modern popular trap needs. I think because she finds fresh folds in the rhythms and um, like some of the tracks. One with Playboy Carty in particular is just really kind of quite arresting after a few listens. Um, Pharrell's work on this is like some of his best production work in a long time. He finally earned, earned that Grammy. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> shaded Pharrell. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, okay, okay. But it's, do you know what? It's it's a mood of an album. Yeah. So you're yeah. a fucking mood of an album. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, we're gonna move on. Before we move on, I'm gonna say one thing. Right, Vampire Weekend have announced the, uh, that their album's yeah. coming out at the start of May. Right. <laughs> they dropped two more tracks, and they also dropped the album artwork. And I, I'm gonna say this, Craig. I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, the album artwork is like hilarious. Yeah. I'm concerned for my boys. I think that they're going to release an album that's going to be pretty bad. Really? I'm going to call oh, it you're not. You're not f- digging the tracks. Not you're, yet, You're no. previewing before it. I know. Even well, you're not a Beatles fan, and they've essentially released four kind of Beatlesy songs. <laughs> like, also they're doing their week. own White Album. <laughs> <laughs> also announced this week, August 9th, Craig. August 9th. What, the Beatles? <laughs> no. <laughs> they're back by popular demand. Mark your calendars, guys. The big one. The big one's coming. Nile Rogers. <laughs> uh, no. Although, hang on. That's happening uh, when we're going to be that? we're going to yeah. be in Norway for Cullum's wedding. Yes, we're going to yes. miss it. Mm. We're going to miss know, we're going to miss Sheik and Nile Rogers being supported by the Kaiser Chiefs. I've never been as frustrated in my life as when I told Dave McLaughlin that I'd seen Nile Rogers, and he's like, as in seeing him walking around, and I'm, he's like, no, you didn't. He interrupted an interview of mine last year. Yeah, but like, can you believe? Can you imagine? Someone saying that that's so out of this world that you would have seen yeah. Nile Rogers. Was he in full people. regalia? I bet he was. And look, it was him. Dave still says, I would have a good time. Mary thought she saw Nile Rogers. <laughs> I did see Nile Rogers. <laughs> yeah, also, sorry, there's a good chance yeah. that you saw Nile Rogers. Oh, yeah, I like, know. Like, absolutely. Like, he's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> We're buying a fucking gaff in Dublin, like, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, so, anyway, yeah, August 9th, yeah. Are you hype? Do you know what you don't know talk about? No, do I don't. What is it? Foles? Oh. <laughs> no, that's tomorrow. No. Oh, album wise. Yeah. What is it? Slipknot, man. Oh, sorry. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> yes. This summer. The sixth <laughs> album from the Des Moines, Iowa metal sensation yeah. Slipknot is on the way. The fact I know they're from Des Moines is upsetting to me. Well, what else do you know is from uh, there? Nothing. Yeah, I suppose. Right, let's get to it, guys. Uh, biggest news story of the week is an interesting one. One that I am exhausted by and was exhausted by quite quickly. 
Uh, I feel like most people know, I feel like most people who listen to this podcast probably are aware of the Irish music industry bubble, um, and I record, as we record this on the night of the Choice Music Prize. Oh, hang on, before we get to this uh, Choice Music Prize related thing, we are recording this on the night of the Choice. It is, in fact, a couple of hours away. There are judges in a room somewhere right now, much like I was last year. So what we're going to do is, we're going to throw to some... We're going to throw to some... Dave was a, uh, a judge last year. The, a judge, um, the choice music prize last year. I wonder year, what guys. that's like. <laughs> We're going to throw out some future audio in a moment, which is yet to be recorded. So who knows what that's going to be like. But first, who's winning the choice music prize, guys? Mary. Are we saying who we want to win or who we think will win? Both, please. Kojak for both feelings. Okay. Kojak for both <laughs> feelings. Kojak. Yeah. Kojak for that's both the feelings. Episode title sorted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it should be villagers, I think. Yeah, like it is the masterpiece on the list, so it won't. I win. would, ha- yeah. I have to say, if I was allowed to pick two that should win that I'd like to win, it's it not how be- it works. <laughs> well, I've already said it. So yeah, Kojak and Villagers, have, I, I think, have done incredible, incredible stuff. Who is winning, Craig? I'm gonna say Villagers, even though I'm wrong. Right, you've got all bases covered there. <laughs> yeah. I would like to see Villagers win. However, I'm gonna say right now, yeah. Saint Sister are winning this award. They're going to unite the room. That's why. And it's a good album. I'd be very happy to see them win it. Great debut. That yep. I'd have no problems whatsoever. But I don't know if some of the other kind of leading lights are divisive. I Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a girl band scenario where someone's surprised. just going to be... Really? I think, yeah. I think the judges, I think some of the judges will, will have a resistance to Kojak. I think other ones will think that this is not Villager's masterpiece. And Conor and Ryan walking around town just burning his bridges left, right and centre. Is that what he's doing? Yeah. Horrible guy, isn't he? Is he? No, that was a joke. <laughs> he's the nicest man alive. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. <laughs> People will be like, what? Well, you know what, Craig? He's maybe, lovely. Maybe, maybe, Friend of the show. Maybe someday, <laughs> yeah. maybe someday when you pivot back into print music journalism, you can take a go at Conor O'Brien. You can isolate Conor O'Brien yeah, as part, of, you've a, always wanted as to part of a Conor wider O'Brien. preview of something. And yes. that leads me into... See, that, that was a better segue. You happy now? That yeah? was great. That, that was, was top notch. Yeah. This week in the... Oh, sorry. I've, I've done it again. <laughs> Future Dave, can you tell us who won the Choice Music Prize, please? So I promised that Future Dave would weigh in on this Choice Music Prize 2019 for the album of 2018. I'm doing so in a stairwell right now, and I'm joined by occasional guest of the podcast, oh, wow. Dahi Odroni. Occasional guest? Jesus, is that is that where, where I'm at now, is it? Where were you tonight? Uh, I was uh, doing a corporate gig. <laughs> Lots of things were sold... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things were sold out this evening, including the integrity of the choice. <laughs> Look, I have to make ends meet here. People want us to know who won, because that, that's the whole point. Yeah, the whole yeah, point yeah. is that I threw to who won. So, Dahi, who won? Uh, oh, Emperor won. Oh, Emperor won the Choice Music Prize with their farewell album, Jason. The epitaph of their career goes to the Choice Music Prize slash O Emperor. Now, listen, O Emperor are former guests of the show. Uh, lovely gentlemen, great career, make very interesting and compelling music. But it's me, right? It's Dave Hanready. So I'm going to say the wrong choice two <laughs> years in a row. Dahi. I mean, I don't think it matters what the wrong choice or the right choice was. It's kind of more important that the fact that it's like, it's almost like a depressing verdict because it's like, oh, Emperor at the end of the day are kind of calling it a day because... You know, they haven't seen it traject the way they wanted to see, right? Like, that's what, that's what they were aiming for. So, like, one of the reasons why they're breaking up is because they can't actually afford to be abandoned. Yeah, a quote from the stage, by the way, a quote from the stage was, and I quote, we need the money. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's kind of like, that's what makes it kind of a little bit depressing because, you know, they've completely proven this album was incredible. It's like, 
it's quite depressing that you can make such an incredible album and be such incredible musicians and work so well together as a band and still it's not enough. I mean, that's mental. And I've kind of said this before, both on the podcast and any interviews that I've done and stuff. I don't know how bands can actually be bands anymore because splitting anything five ways is, is just, it's not feasible. It's like a really scary prospect. And yeah, it's a, it's a kind of almost a depressing verdict for, not because of the album that, that won, but because of the circumstances. The circumstances. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, look, okay, look, I, w- I was in the room last year, as has already been laughed about on this podcast, and here I am again a few hours later, and as promised, not sounding the best, you know? That's, that's what happens, man. It's, it's, it's an industry night out. But I'll say this. Um, I wonder if sentiment won over two years in a row. It certainly did last year from my point of view. And again, please believe me, no disrespect whatsoever to the acts at all. I can't, I'm celebrating this because like they're fucking, you know, they're a touchstone of Irish music that didn't get their due. Now they're getting their due. But this to me feels like a lifetime achievement award. This to me feels like Al Pacino winning the Oscar, Martin Scorsese winning the Oscar. And that's flawed in and of itself. Whose fault is that? Who is wrong? Maybe nobody at all. But it felt hollow, especially after we saw Kojak perform right before it was announced. Yeah, like I mean, the kind of depressing thing, and I, I was talking to a couple of people here about it as well, is that one of the really interesting things is Kojak's album and his entire act like if you saw the Academy when he played there a while back everybody's under 25 and it's it almost feels like still the Irish music industry hasn't caught up with what Kojak is like everybody is like kind of going like holy shit this guy was amazing tonight and it was like he's been here for like a year it seems absolutely mental that like I don't know the electricity was there but it wasn't as absolutely like manic as it was um, in the show that I saw um, but again like I, I don't like I, I'm kind of not thinking of it as like a wrong choice or a right choice at the end of the day like you're kind of you're 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 looking at it as a state of the like the union if you know what I mean like it's kind of everybody you know it says something about the Irish music industry uh and even if that is depressing, like, I mean, it's, it's still a thing, if you know what I mean. With all due respect to Emperor, and I genuinely extend them my congratulations, and I hope they all go on to do great things individually, and I respect the career that they've had, I really, really do. I feel, for me, the Choice Prize has limped over the finish line two years in a row, and I desperately hope that next year will reflect what it really kind of should be. This, to me, felt like, I don't know, it was passive. I felt the air get sucked out of the room. That's my report from the Choice. <laughs> That's your report. <laughs> As I turn the microphone to die. Back to the show. Kojak. <laughs> I'd love if the audio was just, yeah, the name just inserted. Yeah, that would be... like a busy but room. Like, but like, yeah, an automated <laughs> robot voice. Thanks Female. to Future Dave. He sounds a bit uh, worse for wear. Yeah. He? No, Shocker. he sounds great. He's doing great. <laughs> he sounds good. Anyway, we'll press on. So, yes, this week in the Sunday Times culture section, a journalist by the name of Ed Power who Craig and I are familiar with, known to Gardy, he um, essentially... He <laughs> should really <laughs> clarify <laughs> that as well. No, but that was we a can't joke. joke anymore. That was a joke. Dave, you know we can't joke anymore. Well, apparently no not. No jokes are out. So he wrote a preview for the Choice Prize, and in the preview, he ran down all acts. He took issue with one in particular, and that is Wyvern Lingo. And he had a section of this thing in which he described them as follows. 
The year's token turkey is a courtesy of a Wicklow trio who materialised in 2014 in a cloud of unearned self-satisfaction. All are talented musicians, so it's a shame they should deploy their abilities in service of a preening plastic funk that feels as if it is forever about to take a break in order to slap itself on the back. The smuggest entry on this year's countdown, if not in the entire history of the choice. It won't win, because there is a god, and the universe is not inherently evil. If it did, the choice really should pack away its things and go home. So that was in the Sunday Times culture section, which also included a dig at them in the build-up and also included a section where he described Lisa O'Neill by focusing on her look, saying that she looked miserable and glum, and that was kind of odd. Essentially, now the universe, inherently evil. <laughs> the jury's out, I think. This is not the Joe Rogan <laughs> podcast, I'm afraid. So this came to light um, in terms of kicking a bit of a fuss on Twitter, uh, where else, when The Point of Everything shared it on his Twitter account, and said, what is he talking about? And quote, uh, like, took a couple of photographs of the article, including that section there and including the intro. Now, I feel like before we go any further, I will say that, like, I think some context was lost overall in that the entire article wasn't presented for everyone to read, just subsections. And mm. I granted these are the damning sections. These are the sections that obviously have generated the talking points and should indeed be focused on. Um, a lot of people have talked about this during the week. There was a very strong reaction to it straight away. A lot of people coming out against Ed Power and supporting Wyvern Lingo to the point where it genuinely developed into its own kind of drama. Ed is on Twitter, so hasn't been responding to anything. Uh, it very quickly became a kind of echo chamber, I think. I think that's fair to say. Uh, ultimately, uh, my take on it is that I'm, I'm, I'm semi-conflicted in as much as that I think Ed Power is a hack. Um, I, I mean, like, for example... Examples have been given of Ed this week, and like you know, I don't rag on him too hard because it's been done. But like, there's the example of him going to a gorilla's gig in 2009, 2010, or whatever, and writing two separate reviews with two different opinions. Yeah, so that's bizarre. My own kind of personal gripe <clears throat> with Ed from recently is at Electric Picnic last year when I'm there at Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Cullen messages the group chat and goes, "Dave, what time did Kendrick Lamar finish tonight?" And I'm like, "He's like, how? He's like 40 minutes <laughs> the in." Man. Review was up. Was it? Ed's review was up. And <laughs> Cullen wow. linked me to the Irish Times review. Of like Kendrick conquers Kendrick conquers the picnic, blah 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 blah. Paper now, record. <laughs> now that's it. Sure was that night. I mean, in that situation, right? I mean, like the Irish Times have a thing where they have the ticket that they print out and it's available for the festival goers, the revelers, you might say, the next day, and that has to be done. Obviously, there's clearly a deadline. That's how these things work. However. Don't write your review in advance and then try and pass it off while the gig is still fucking on. That's just the hackiest of the hackiest of the hackiest, isn't mm. it? It's terrible. As regards this, <clears throat> uh, I think Ed went way too far in his criticism. I think he had an agenda. I think he was over the top. I think he said some unfair things. However, I just found the drama that spun out of this to be ostentatious. I really, really did. Um, whether it was people grandstanding whether it was in replies or creating threads of their own, as many people did, to show you, one by one, just how morally outraged they were about the situation. We get it. And that's fine. Like, your social media account your social media account. I'm not here to fucking police you. Do what you want with it. But I thought it was <laughs> Not a yet. Bit, but I, thought it, I, I just found it a little bit obnoxious when people kind of ran with it and basically were, like, acting as if it was genuinely ruining their day when I was like, I don't think it is. And even, you know, Wyvern Lingo came along and then they were saying, like, you know, the last couple of days have been so difficult for us. And, like, I'm just like... A part of me just kind of thinks, it's a fucking bad review. Yeah. Walk it the fuck off. By one dude. Yeah. I just, I really can never, and can I just say, I think Ed Power is a dope. Um, <laughs> but I can tell you if he was on Twitter, he wouldn't respond anyway. He sat back and watched everyone create this storm for him. Some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> yeah. And can I just say it was badly written. It was. I'm a yeah, huge yeah. fan of a, of a well-written takedown. I've I've been a huge fan of takedowns of myself that have been well researched, well written, um, 
and quite funny. And I really have. Me and Jamie have read reviews, terrible reviews of our stuff that we thought were really funny. Um, I got so frustrated at some people who shared actual clickable links to Ed's articles. Mm. At this stage, do we actually not know that that's keeping him in a job? And if you think that sharing a screenshot saves you from that, it doesn't. Because it's very easy for an editor, an editor to go and check. Right, Ed wrote that review. Um, let's see how it's getting, how it's going on Twitter. It's very easy for an editor to see just how many people are sharing it, talking about it, reading it. Um, again, talking about ethics, like you can't fight this with. Yeah, I mean, and people saying things like. Well, I think they're great. And if you he didn't hear track six, obviously, because in the second verse of the second half of the first, like, come on, it's one dude on a laptop. Yeah. And yeah. really, it was, a t- it's sorry, by the way, it's a terrible review. It is. But if you want to do Wyvern Lingo a favour, share their album. You know, like there's a big difference between sympathy and support. And if you want to support them, you would share their album, you would share their music. You wouldn't start sharing that dude's ridiculously crap words. Yeah, I think it's right to kind of criticise it as a takedown because like I'm all here for like a genuine, you know, uh, righteous bile fueled kind of review, but you can't buy into anything he says even when he's being flippant or he's decrying something as evil because you just don't know, like it's his opinion for that particular publication that particular week and on that particular slant he's getting paid for. So it means nothing really, which I think should be something if Wyvern and Lingo are really upset about they should take heart in. It's just him doing what he does. Which They're is, perfectly entitled yeah. to be upset. And again, I, I wouldn't be like, don't be upset. I mean, that's up to you. You react how you react. You put your art out there and someone stomps all over it. Of course that will hurt. I mean, I've written take ten pieces, some of which I think have been better than others in terms of like the nuance. I've definitely fucked up, I've and we, and we do occasionally do that thing where we will read into maybe sometimes the character of an artist by the stuff they produce, which I guess is human nature, which he's mm-hmm. done here, which I think is the offending bits, right? Like the smugness, the you know all that implied stuff. There are plenty. From this music. There are plenty of smug musicians in the world, including Irish musicians. I had to ask myself the question after reading this. I was like, are Wyvern Lingo smug? And I found I, I ultimately now, it came away baffling. Yeah, no, I, I, no, I, I ultimately. Came away going, no, I don't think they are. Yeah. Like, I, I don't see, and also, who, what, so what if they are? Yeah, yeah, I really can't understand this. I can't understand why someone tries to pur- like purports to be all about the music. And I know so much about music to, to the extent he obviously is some f- fan of funk music because he's calling it plastic funk, which suggests that he's into some sort of other <laughs> funk that he thinks is good, but then to also be like. And obviously they think they're brilliant. Like, what? Yeah. It was such a shit it review. It felt really childish. It yeah. was so ridiculous. I am gutted that we're talking about it so much. Not us here in general. I am gutted at the exposure that this crap piece of writing has gotten. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel the same way. And I know it's in a running order. I felt, I, I went to Craig and I was like, I think we have to talk about it. Yeah. Because it's talking point. It has dominated the week in terms of the Irish music scene pre-choice and I hope there's no one in that fucking judging room by the way who goes in there and goes you know it'll be a real good fuck you give them the award I don't no. think no there's I always th- someone in that room who says you know they could use true. money or like they like the story like okay that again, is true yeah as noted I was in the room last year uh, Ships won the award and I was the one person in the room saying they should not win nothing personal whatsoever against Ships but everyone in the room was going personal for Ships and I was like you guys are voting for the fucking story you're voting because you like them you like their story you think it'd be a good thing it'd be a great little moment for them and I'm like that doesn't make it the best album of the year yeah I th- think but Ships I was defeated. Uh, Ships actually online pointed out that 
Ed has this weird shadow side when it comes to the Choice Music Prize, which is very true. Remember when I did it like beforehand, he had previously been a judge and I just said like walking out the door, so Ed, any advice? And he's just like, have a stiff drink, it's hell on earth. I was just like, Jesus. It was, it was like he was like, he'd come back from Vietnam or something. Oh, so yeah. I don't know what went on yeah, when he despite, judged the Choice <laughs> Music Prize. Just, despite but what it I just turns said there, into this. Like, despite what I just said there, I really enjoyed my experience as a judge. I thought it was, yeah, I thought so it was a very I. healthy yeah. discussion. <laughs> I think there's room for healthy debate. There was a piece on Nolan 9 by Luke Sharkey today, a time of writing or time of writing time of recording hello i've been in the office all day <laughs> writing um so essentially that was a good piece that kind of like argue for the idea of negative criticism it shouldn't be one way or the other. like the truth's often somewhere in the middle i mean like you know with these things someone ex- screaming so hard negatively this it's probably like gonna crack and break and not be good but at the same time this kind of flag bearing fucking all irish music is good thing needs to fuck off as well and also ships yeah. in that thread had let's, an argument that like, i just i can't agree with this uh, of course I can't agree with it because I'm a fucking critic but nonetheless I don't think that even if I wasn't uh, they said Ed doesn't know much about what it takes to make music but he knows how to get people talking about his writing he wrote mean stuff about us last year and though I knew it was his shtick it still hurt to read it in print I'd like to hear your album Ed and then we'll talk music I hate that argument yeah. I fucking hate that argument it doesn't make any sense to me that's like saying like the films that you go and see in the cinema you know about like fucking space or whatever like written by some <laughs> guy you go to space yeah. but like I mean like, like you can't like do a football match report if you've never played the game I mean like or like it's just so it's it's a lazy fallback argument and there was someone else in that thread being like you know those who can't do and I'm like these things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive they don't well, you also have to you also have to go on in the left lane or the right lane you either you either read reviews and get upset by them which is what happened here or you disregard them because they're not written by a musician. But you can't do both. You can't say, I'm upset about this, yeah. but I also don't care about you because you're not a musician. You've never made an album. You can't do both of those things. I try to not, like, we're treating tweets like press releases now, you know? Like, the, you know, I, I don't think that was the most perfectly written tweet. I can see, you know, and, the, and that kind of little snide remark about Chips as well being that he made of like what's happened to their career since the Choice Prize you know I can see why they, they their backs up about it so I and I, to be fair you could make that same comment about recent Gannett family who obviously made a decision to kind of shelter in for a while Ships did the same for personal reasons and professional reasons they've obviously had a bit of a tough year Sorka was speaking on the Totally Irish show with John Barker last week and she was very eloquent and put herself across a lot better as you say in the tweet that she just had there Twitter of course is flawed as a conversational medium we know mm-hmm. this ultimately I think think that it's been it's been a storm that I didn't think needed really to happen and I, I just find it like I find it really kind of uh, I don't know how it's healthy I don't know what really you get out of kind of people making the same point over and over again and then people kind of grandstanding and being like here's how to do music criticism like I, I, I don't think we need that either yeah no. and just really briefly because I know we don't have time to go into it but there was a really horrible review of Hosier and Pitchfork um, again I'm not saying whether I think that's okay or not but uh, this bizarre thing of trying to create that storm that you're talking about while purporting to be supporting the artist. So someone basically, Hosier wasn't tagged in this particular tweet of someone sharing this really bad review. But this guy tweeted back at the at the writer saying, you know, this is a really off review and you've gotten personal about it. Tags Hosier into the tweet. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you doing? It's so transparent what you're doing here and you're you're using this situation to get yourself some attention in the form of likes and retweets and stuff it's a really it's a really disheartening situation I definitely want to say that if Wyvern Lingo Lingo Wyvern Lingo um, did you have to Wyvern Lingo um, keep going I'm I loving this <laughs> beautiful um, keep taking the edge off it's great I just want to say if they do win tonight that they'll get a massive congratulations from me and there'll be absolutely no um, suggestion that it had anything to do with 
per little a pair. All right. So hang on. Before we move off this, because there's still a couple of kind of areas I want to look at. I I'll mean, clear it up for you, Dave. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned Hozier on this show last week. Uh, I gave we gave him a negative review. Uh, I gave him an especially negative review, and I had people kind of say to me like, you know, that was very harsh. And I said, I don't think it was. I think it was fair and balanced. Uh, I had someone confront my boss at an event recently and say, do you know Dave Hanrady? That stripes review that he wrote? It was horrific. What? Was, yeah, this actually happened. And my boss was like, I stand by it. And it's just like, right. Where did this go down? Also, who's your boss? How, people are getting good yeah. these days, aren't they? It was at some event. I wasn't there. But it's, like, the point is, right, it's I want to ask a couple of questions. The first question I want to ask is, when it comes to criticism, I mean, like, are we still allowed to criticize? Are we still allowed to criticize even female artists? I mean, I don't want to make it gender, but some people were suggesting that this was gendered. Saint Sister included. I think they took issue with the, you know, if you call an act like Wyvern Lingo smug, you're sending a message, you know, the kind of man-woman thing. And they very well may be merit in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm in fairness to Ed, I think he'd call Hose your smug. Well, he did. He got blacklisted by fucking I mean? MCD like, yeah, for doing that. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't like, I, I think he's an equal opportunity contrarian yes, hack. Yes. I, I'm not saying he is or isn't one thing. Or the other. And believe me, please don't misconstrue me. I'm not defending him. I'm defending no, no, his I don't right think to you be are. a critic, I though. I can see. Uh, you see, I just think, you, I mean, uh, if you're going to be a critical writer, you need to write it well. And that's my point. But I think you're right that he's an equal opportunities asshole. So um, I, I didn't, I have to say, Personally, and I am just one person, I didn't see a gender. I saw many issues in that review. I didn't see a gender is- issue in it. Um, I definitely get very afraid, very, very afraid of a world where um, we're afraid to be critical about things and bring up conversations about things because we're afraid that we'll be set upon. Um, but yes, I, I completely understand um, the concern about how 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 honest we can be with critique which is a crazy notion to not be able to be honest with it um, yeah I actually don't know the answer to that I think it has to be an an ever ever moving ever evolving situation um, has to be case by case now I guess I don't know but it's creepy but is it like a kind of microcosm self-contained problem in that I mean yes it's something that probably people that listen to this podcast will have seen all over their timeline but is it it, was it really that huge amongst oh, the greater population? It's a yeah, bubble. that's do what like, I'm saying. Do, like, so, the, the is the danger is... actually real, or are we seeing it through some weird lens? Where we're seeing it through a lens. Yeah. The, the, the choice prize itself is a bubble. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, I, I think I think the choice prize has been trying hard to be more relevant, to be more like public facing. And Two FM have obviously been doing a lot of stuff where they play our yeah. music all day. And the song of the year has the the public, public vote. Choice. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Is it, is it... But at the same time, ultimately, I think a lot of the Irish public don't really give a shit. Like, I mean, about the best Irish album of the year. I don't think it's like that big of a deal to a lot. Of, it is to the people within the industry, and that's fine. And like, it's 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 it exists. It is a big it's, deal. It's, it's and it makes a huge difference, even if you're choice nominated. Um, it gives your to be able to, life, add, like, to be able to yeah, add yeah. that to your press release for 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 um, media abroad and stuff is a big deal. Yeah. Um, it's also one of those things, like a number one, that every band is like, I don't care about charting, and you get told you're like swimming around yeah, the top yeah, three, yeah. and you're like, please Jesus, let me get this thing. Um. Then Eminem goes and releases a song album the same week as you. It all goes up in flames. You gotta but, let it um, go. You gotta let it go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, there's loads of reasons why the choice is a bubble, and it's not just because of the um, nominees or anything like that. I mean, there's loads of loads of small things. There's it's not televised. It's not the the maybe the the, the prize isn't big enough that that um, we're also all very demure about how we. Um, promote ourselves here as well you know even for song of the year bands are plugging 
you know, but they don't. But I mean, also, like, how do how do Mango and Math Man compete with Picture This as, you know, that's the kind of final point I wanted to make. I wanted to ask the question. Can I just finish that sentence? No. That sounded like I was going to say about Picture This as music. <laughs> how do Mango and Math Man compete with Picture This as fan base? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should have said that quicker. You know, they're How can you possibly also, compete with picture this as music, guys? <laughs> well, that's it. Weirdly, you can't. I yeah. don't even know how you... But I want to ask the question. I want to ask the question, right? <laughs> Why is it okay to completely fucking bury picture this, but it's not okay to bury Wyvern Lingo? Well, it's, it's like that comedy sorry? thing, isn't it? It's like... Whether you're punching up or you're punching down, isn't it? I'm just asking the question. Yeah. Is it, it comes down to that case of, like, you know, the rule of comedy where it's seen as righteous or just if you're punching up, you never punch down. It's seen as picture of this have reached a place where they're mm. ensconced in this huge fan base, this kind of uh, major label deal. Um, you've kind of forget that they're human beings. <laughs> um, and Wyvern Lingo, okay, they probably need a few more opportunities. They're just trying try to make stuff happen. What is being gained, I guess, culturally or even morally by, you know, ripping them to shreds? That's the argument, Yeah, I, I think like Hosier being this big deal and he gets torn by Pitchfork. Now, sorry, that's a, that's a different kind of and us. I'm not comparing. And us, don't I'm forget. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no I'm not, encore represent. I'm not yeah. comparing you guys and Pitchfork to Ed Parrott. That's absolutely, that's a ridiculous comparison. I just mean to support Craig's point. That's in fair. that to, to, to tear apart to tear Wyvern lingo apart is I don't understand I mm. really don't understand that no that's totally fair I mean like mm. to be fair like I'm not even saying that like one is right one is wrong no, 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 or they're absolutely. like for like I'm just asking I'm just doing my job guys you know, I'm <laughs> yeah, just, sorry I, man it's I'm, a tough world out there well, I'm just asking the questions okay go on, just so, say you're playing devil's advocate go on say it <laughs> Mary, Mary, don't be. Like, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I mean, like, whoa, you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, just, just put his head there. Yeah. Just pause or something. You know? Just like, see how you go with it. So, uh, one man who does not know how to play devil's advocate because he just says how he feels is Brian May of Queen oh, Fame, yeah. which is a, it's in here so I can plug no popcorn. It's our kind of movies and music offshoot. You've probably heard it by now. Go back and listen. We reviewed Bohemian Rhapsody. Have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? I was just going to. I was just going to go, why have you guys never asked me on that show? And I'm like, Bohemian, no, I've never, hey, never seen that. Do you, do you remember when Mick and I recorded like seven episodes of a movies podcast yeah. and never released them? Yeah. And you were on one of those. I was. I yeah. really enjoyed myself. I know. Still in the vaults. Still in Will the they vaults. ever see the light of day? No. No. No popcorn <laughs> is where it's at now. And I'll have you know, listener, don't worry. No popcorn 2 is coming very soon, as in next week. That's right. Dave Higgins and I have selected our next movie and it's coming up. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's a documentary and I've referenced it about 19 times on this show, probably every few weeks. So, okay. Uh, I did the, you know, like I did the equivalent of reading the headline and, and talking like you've read the article about Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. I've talked as if I've seen it. I have not. That's you all we need here. You kind of have though, to be fair. Like, yeah. well, you kind of have. It's, uh, is, it a, is, it a, is it a joke? Oh, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, someone got in touch. Uh, someone didn't appreciate our review and said, you know, I'm just going to give you some facts. It won four Oscars more than The Godfather. So, as we know, <laughs> oh, well, that is the barometer of doing. you told. Yeah, 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 yeah. told. Well, well you did say it was better than The Godfather, yeah, in fairness fair. to you. I, yeah. mean, I don't know if that person was Brian May, but Brian May, post-Oscars, uh, has taken aim at all the critics, all the Ed Powers, the, the world, haters who lined up and had a go at his film, but it doesn't matter now because they're a critical or they're commercial success and an award success. He's posted a very long Instagram post, which I will not be reading the whole thing out of. Can I just say long. he is turning Instagram into Twitter? He's gotten it wrong. Like that's supposed to be the platform of like hugs and light, and he's just like this screed of just nonsense that he's <laughs> vomited terrible, yeah. onto Instagram. So his uh, Instagram, if you want to look it up, is Brian May for real. 
<laughs> is that the figure four or the uh, spelled out word four? <laughs> yeah, the Richie Edwards like Rich, like her, Yeah, he carved into his arm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, F-O-R real. Right. So, um, a trick there. I'm going to try and paraphrase this in real time. Wish me luck. Good luck. Yeah. He shared uh, four images from a piece in The Spectator, not the kind of publication you necessarily want to be associated with, if I'm correct. I think Rod Little writes for them. <laughs> I'll tell you what his name was. Go on. <laughs> do it. Do the full thing. <laughs> Who's Rod Little again? I'll tell you what his name was. He's the man, right? We all know how that finishes. Yeah. So anyway, um, he, there's an article in The Spectator written by Toby Young, who's a prick, and it uh, said, Bohemian Rhapsody's <laughs> Oscars on, win, <laughs> allegedly a prick, Bohemian Rhapsody's, Craig is the legal department, Bohemian Rhapsody's Oscars win is a triumph over snobby film critics, complete with a photograph of Rami Malek clutching his award. And Brian May said, well, yes, you saw I went very quiet after the Oscars were over, signaling the end of the whole movie awards season. What really happened? We opened the Academy Awards show, that being Queen, in a way that it's never been opened before, in an avalanche of excitement, looking out in an instant, standing ovation from a glittering audience containing many of our heroes, all beaming and singing with us and punching the air. (laughs) We then, shockingly, walked away with four Oscars, the top haul of the night. And then he says, the head of the local production came up to me and shook my hand as we left the auditorium. And he said, I've been doing the Oscars for 40 years and that was the best opening we ever had. A lovely moment. Needless to say, Queen had the last laugh. He then, <laughs> he then goes on to say that, you know, they're not the party animals that you thought they were. And they had a quiet night, you know, because he's getting on a bit. Yeah. They didn't go uh, all crazy and party. But he did take the time to say that it's nice to see our film finally being recognised how it should. But I found the public activity behind the whole awards season and the behaviour of the media writers surrounding it deeply disturbing. If you look at the press and the internet discussions that took place over the last few months, you can see that 90% of it is aimed at discrediting one or other, or all of the nominated films by innuendo and smears, rather than discussing their merits and admiring the skills that went into making them. Vitriol and dishonesty and blatant attempts to shame and influence the members into voting the way that they, in their arrogance, required them to. And he goes on to say, you know, Christ. we won. Needless to say, Queen had the last laugh. <laughs> and that's and that's what it's all about. Oh wow. That man is a fucking wanker. <laughs> Come yeah, and get yeah. me, Brian May. Lose my number, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pity he didn't have like that kind of opinion on, say, you know, Brian Singer or anything relevant. Um yeah, jeez. I know? used to think he was quite a nice man. Doesn't he like p- try to protect badgers and do astronomy and stuff? It's and know. it's just it's it's Schrodinger's critic all over again where you simultaneously don't care at all but you're also obviously extremely upset I yeah. I just I, this kind of like um, I don't care but here's me upset for 10 minutes yeah. straight I don't know thank you for giving us our episode title this week Mary <laughs> I appreciate that Craig I mean I, I'll be looking for twice my um, rate. My fee. <laughs> um you're a weird. I couldn't even come up with the word rate because I never charge any <laughs> Now that's the Irish music industry in a nutshell folks. That's, oh, that's the bubble God. I haven't used the word rate or fee in so long Well I was going to say that they Brian were. May and obviously now Mary as well they're not the type of people to get their own Starbucks drink or anything are they Craig? I'm God, glad why? you didn't ask Dave yeah, I'm so glad <laughs> Ariana Grande has her own Starbucks drink now Dave Get out of town uh, yeah, I sucked this in because I thought we needed something kind of light uh, in the running order and light in the form of a cloud macchiato um, are we hype for this? I drink green tea exclusively. 
no water, no, just green tea. It has to be green tea. Always I drink green Kool-Aid tea. exclusively. And also Ariana Grande's new Starbucks <laughs> drink. Um, um, yeah, I'm going to leave you guys chat about this one because I, I don't know what to say. I think we're leaving the episode. <laughs> this <laughs> She's gone. You know what? I'm I'm better than this. You yeah. can get it in cinnamon. This was a mistake. Or caramel, <laughs> hot or cold. <laughs> oh, hot or cold? I didn't. Wait a minute. The cloud component comes from Starbucks trademarked cold foam, which was introduced in 2014. It also comes from the fact she really likes cloud emojis. Dave, what's your favorite emoji? Oh, it's the the one with the guy uh, putting his hand over his chin and looking kind of suspect. It is actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. And people always get it wrong. They think I'm being like sarcastic and mean, but I'm, it's it's how I usually like alleviate the tension in what I previously said. Yeah, it's not as bad as when you do manual emojis and uh, do weird clown noses on your smiley faces, which is just terrifying. Can someone tell me the following? Yes. What does the upside down standard smiling face mean? I've kind of fucked up, or I feel awkward, or I'm neurotic. Yeah, things are going wrong. Uh, I'm looking. Oh, so if someone says, "Do you want to go for a drink?" Upside down standard smiling face emoji. uh, That's just like yeah. I've also got the cat, the cat with the tear. That's a big one for me. The monocle. Uh, the drool, you know, you know, you know, the drool outside your mouth thing. Because you use that because it's disgusting. That's what. Yeah, Who yeah, do you yeah. use that with? Oh, I'm not telling. Dave's you. like, do you want to go for a drink? <laughs> <laughs> yep, she's got those messages. I like the purple <laughs> yeah. demons and she's straight. She's left me on two blue ticks. <laughs> since straight okay. terrified Kanye with the purple demon. I've kind of been liking that. All right. Remember now, he just tweeted the purple demon, and Kanye was like, "He's coming to kill me." Yeah. Um, but yeah, what do we? <gasps> I just um, opened that can into the mic. Look at the look at the back of that wave. It's Whoa, a H. It's spiked. <laughs> now we've said Heineken Perfect perfect <laughs> podcast content there Well Craig you mentioned Kanye West Yes um, He's back in the news Can we hit the um, music first? Yeah <laughs> this, this show is going great Attention everyone One One Shut up Craig on Kanye Kanye West has spoken in recent years of retiring from the music business altogether. Turns out he was lying because he can never retire. <laughs> oh, well, that is pretty interesting. <laughs> anyway, on with the show. Kanye West's Sorry. publishing contract with EMI states that he can never retire, according to documents made public in an ongoing lawsuit. According to The Hollywood Reporter, which I read exclusively, uh, his contract stipulates that he must remain actively involved in writing, recording and producing Compositions, capital C, and major label albums as your principal occupation. This is at a time when he's trying desperately to get out of his label dealings. Um, Sorry, how is exclusively reading The Hollywood Reporter and presumably nothing else going for you? Um, well, I had to leave business journalism. <laughs> you look younger. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's working for me in my personal life. My Absolutely. career is stalled to an extent. <laughs> yeah. but um, Not as busy. Yeah, not really. Um, but it does seem he's, like he's active musically. He's been doing his Sunday service stuff quite a lot as well. Have you seen any of those Instagram clips? I saw the one of him playing a keyboard for a gathered crowd of oh, choral yeah. singers. And it was thing. incredible. Yeah. Incre- Album of the year. He's been sampling he Back it. to Life, which is incredible also. Um, Soul to Soul's classic. There's him on a plane full of people as well? Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, just needs to change that title, Yandy, I think. <laughs> I'm not feeling I think that. a lot of things will change <laughs> yeah, before the album probably. finally hits uh, the shelves. Uh, what's your general state of the union address on Kanye West these days, Mary? I have to say, um, so for for some background on my feelings about your feelings about Kanye West, oh. I'm very upset about, um, in general, how we're disregarding experts these days on anything. So it's like, I'm going to, you know, 
sniff lavender oil instead of taking that medication because the experts are stupid. You are my Kanye West expert and I look to you um, uh, for all things Me? Kanye, really. Yes. The segment's called Craig on Kanye. He, like, <laughs> he's You're right, undermining the segment. He's, he's right there. <laughs> but I just see you more than I see yeah, Craig. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I give him all his info. Um, I, am, I, am, I, am, I am a social animal. So, you are very much yeah. so. Um, I think... I I I I I wish other people would get the same pass passes sometimes that Kanye has gotten for some of his fucking appalling behavior and comments, incredibly damaging comments and stuff like that. Um, I know this is like a really boring angle in this no. situation, but um, I also really like to have the problem where someone won't let me retire. I know what you're saying like Brian McFadden, for example, and, and two very similar guys. <laughs> <laughs> Please, of all, I mean, I would rather End give airtime to Ed Power ten podcasts over. Oh man, <laughs> that old B unit, Jesus. We done with the news? <laughs> yeah, I think we're done with the news. Let's go. Oh, so, let's, let's, mano, Dave, no, you no. and I, mano y mano, <laughs> fucking. Oh. Well, are you doing the uh, the ISIS really thing? Got under my skin there. Yeah, uh, when it's like, uh, hey, ISIS, come come down the ball alley and let's have a scrap. Oh, and, and also that Brian McFadden um, invented hand to hand combat because yeah. nobody else has done it before. He, uh, sorry, please, <laughs> a, a dreadful, a dreadful human being. Yeah. Songs of the week though has some not dreadful human beings, or does it? There are five. (laughs) (laughs) Only one way to find out, you guys. There are five tracks. Mary can have a number between one and five, please. What do you mean? A number between one and five. Any number between one and five. That's how that usually Um, works. Yes. It's Mac DeMarco. You you picked a rabbit out of the hat here. (laughs) The song's called Nobody. So I wanted this song to not be in the songs of the week this week. Craig wanted it in. Craig, take it away. Um, well, I didn't particularly want this song. I felt it was ne- <laughs> seems like nobody <laughs> wanted me. Apart from me, I'm happy it's there. Um, you know, I've dipped into Mac DeMarco's back catalogue from time to time, <laughs> and then I've dipped out quite quickly. He really, Sorry. he no, seems please. inoffensive and grand. Um, he seems very marmite for a lot of people. You included, though. I don't get just, it. I just don't. You get don't it. get it whatsoever. No, no, no. The kind of ramshackle. Are, are, are you? Are, are, is he one of your boys? I mean, like, you know, we were saying. <laughs> <laughs> full disclosure: he's one of my boys. <laughs> um, what I was saying with the Solange album that it fell into background music when I was uh, kind of didn't give it time. I was trying to do it when I was doing other stuff. The Mac, this uh, songs of the week um, list was really great because I couldn't I couldn't ignore it I could it was it's a really I think it's a great list not that I'm saying I like everything a lot on it but it's a great list um that Mac DeMarco song um is really it, it made me really happy um it's beautiful I think it's it could be from many different times it could be from loads of different people I didn't really know it was him necessarily when I when I first put it on I tried to not I tried to not look at who the um acts were. I think it's gorgeous. It got a lot of uh 
notoriety this week because it came as part of an album announcement, Craig? Yeah, so this is taken from his upcoming album, Here Comes the Cowboy. Um, It's called Nobody, um, similar to the Mitski song from last year called Nobody. Off the album. <laughs> Off the album, Be the Cowboy. Yes. Um, so instantly Twitter was a buzz with talk of him completely ripping her off or playing some sick joke or... Doing that thing doing where some, yeah. like someone said it's like being in a meeting and a man says the thing that you said but says it later and they, they listen to that one. And then Mitski herself tweeted saying, I have no problem with this. It's not a thing. Don't make it a thing. Uh Cole Morrigan, who is no longer on the show for personal <laughs> for <legal> reasons, reasons. <laughs> uh, I he's but he's still in the No Encore group chat, as we have said. He won't leave the No Encore group chat. That's going to cause problems in court. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like yeah. fuck, it is. It's encrypted, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, there was a moment where like I said, oh, there's like some controversy over this because people are saying that he's ripping off Mitski's album because it's called Be the Cowboy and his is called Here Comes the Cowboy. And Cullum said, only following instructions. Like <laughs> I was like, there you <laughs> go. Very good. It's good. And that's why he's, he's no longer on <laughs> And that's the, the end of episode 155. Um, I think, um, I really think you can't um, trademark such vague Well, you have a thing about this, don't you? I do. Yeah, well, first of all, he, he's talked about this being his cowboy record and there's like country leanings and stuff and it's just such a, like cowboy as a term in rock and roll, it's one thing. Nobody is such a vague word. It's a theme by the, I mean, it's it's like a growth um like the imagery of of different points in your life and stuff like that. You it's know? Kid Rock's entire career. <laughs> That's loads of people's entire career. Yeah, but it, it, fucking cowboys. <laughs> it's pictured this is next. But step. It, you know, if we're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> but if we're talking about melodies and the actual music, that's one thing. But ownership over titles and words gets very strange and odd. Like a few years ago, myself and Dave were talking about this. Um, I interviewed East India Youth about his album Total Strife Forever at the time, which was a pun on Foles' Total Life Forever, much bigger album. Um, and I remember like asking him why did he go with such a weird punny title that was related to a bigger album and he was like kind of vague and just being like I don't know like the pun grew on me which I could understand and he liked the kind of word strife and he just went with it and was quite enigmatic um, and I was yeah. talking to Yanis from Foles like a few months after that and he was Clang. utterly <laughs> but he was utterly perplexed yeah oh, so, oh Dave Dave drops a guy <laughs> I call him Yan <laughs> but he was like he was kind of freaked out. He wasn't annoyed, but he was just like, you've spent like three years of your life creating this thing and then you're just attaching it. Like It's it's Chinese democracy, mate. That's all it is. You don't, I mean, if you're actually... Sorry, are you referencing the album or just like... I feel like that's an apt title. No, it's, it's like... Ch- a, Chinese it's an democracy. ancient... No, <laughs> yeah. And it's not a you snooze, you lose situation, but it's just like, whatever. Are you actually upset? Does this actually upset you? Does it affect you at all? No. Whatever. That's fair. Craig, give me a number. Number one, please, Dave. Make it snappy. Attention. It's uh, Billie Eilish. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> song is called Wish You Were Gay. That's going to be problematic, isn't it? Let's have a listen.
So yes, this song, Wish You Were Gay, she debuted it live at the gig I went to, which was night one of three in the Shepherd's Bush Empire in London. A very enjoyable time. Did I review it correctly earlier on? I can't even remember. By correctly, I mean thoroughly. Um, no, the if, hotel, yes. If by correctly, yeah, you meant about ah, your hotel. Yes. Okay, gig-wise, um, I think she's a star. Uh, something was missing, but that's fine, because she's just turned 17, and it's the first album, and it's all very raw. But I really like her songs, and there's an interesting contrast with the album that we're about to talk about and Sigrid's album, because Sigrid is obviously, you know, sweetness and light all the way, it, with a bit of angst, of course, and we'll get there. And Billie Eilish is like kind of moody and dark and she dresses like she's at a metal gig and it felt like you're at a metal gig. There was people there with spiked collars. They had the Slipknot bit where you get up and get down. Satan worship. Yeah, there was that as well. She came out with a giant spider. You know, that was interesting. Um, but generally, she's cool. I don't know if you've seen her Vanity Fair interview that she did recently. It's I didn't a, a must watch. Uh, but she's a teenager who's growing up in this kind of strange world where she's about to be a fucking megastar. And like it's it's happening now. Like this is it's happening around her right now. She's huge. The venue was full of people who were screaming as loud as I've ever heard people scream. Um, a crowd that were kind of, you know, I've never seen, my God, when she came out first and like uh, started playing, I have never seen the way that it happened. Every phone, every phone. I saw a guy I know was Instagram storying. At the gig? <laughs> At the gig. And I couldn't, it was as if it was years ago we recorded um, a music video and asked people to record on their phone. It looked like that. It looked like she had asked every single person in the venue to take out their phone. They all rose as one, like a weird, like, like you know, Borussia Dortmund, when they like have the like, the, the crowd thing where like all things come together to the form a mosaic, the yellow wall. It was like that. It was just like all the phones imaginable went up like some kind of strange propaganda film. It was, mm. and like, I, but the weird thing was like, normally that's the worst thing in the world, but it felt right. It felt like this is a very young crowd. They're this, obnoxious. <laughs> well, but that, that's interesting because I mean, like, I didn't think it was too obnoxious because I kind of felt like I had the, the moment. People weren't chatting to each other. Well, Wait no, till they're doing it at Slipknot, Dave. The, and pe- then you'll... the people the people who were chatting were the older people at the bar. And by older, I mean like 20s. You know, like, like they're like, they like industry people who were clear, like, you know, I'm here to be at the gig. Lots yeah. of that going on. Ultimately, I wasn't put off by it because it felt like it was the right gig to do it at. I'm not saying that, like it's the right move. I don't know how, what she would feel about it. She had command of the crowd. There was an amazing moment where she asked us all to take a step back, not forward. And I thought that was cool. I've never seen that before. So she's only 17. She's already fucking like got this amazing command. She's cool. I like her a lot. I like the songs. I like this song. And this song is about how she apparently was was mad about someone and he didn't like her back. And she wished he was gay because that would have given a reason for her self-esteem not to be broken hey, by it. been there, mate. Well, see, there you go. Because some people have said, can't say that. Problematic. Homophobic. What do we think? I have to say, given that when I was about 15 and a guy broke up with me and it broke my heart. And I remember my mum was away at the time. And it was my poor dad there left with. <laughs> he broke up with me. And my dad, God bless him, the the very best thing he came up with to say was, um, yeah, well, to be honest, Mary, I thought he was gay. <laughs> and that was his, uh, That there was no hesitation between me telling him I'd been dumped and my dad saying that. That was what he thought was like, this will make her feel better. It was nothing to do with you. And that's what he felt. It wasn't anything to do with really sexuality. Yeah. It was to do with how in this horrible gut-wrenching moment that I wish my wife was here for. How do I make this kid feel better? Tell her it was nothing to do with her. And that's what Billie Eilish is talking about. It's it's in that horrible moment. I'm not saying everyone's experienced wanting the, the person to be gay, but that moment of how do I take this pain out of my gut and just put it somewhere else? 
and not believe that there's maybe somebody else waiting in the wings that, that the person wants to be with more. And it's not suggesting that. And that's by that, saying that there was nothing you could do about it. And it's not suggesting that gay is a negative thing. It's just no. like... No. Like, it comes... Like, just as you said, it comes down to the song isn't about the boy. He's not the subject. It's about her and her trying to deal with a re- perceived rejection exactly. and how she kind of deals exactly. with herself of self-identity. You know, if it was a thing of her wanting someone to be gay because then she could get with them, then you enter that weird territory. Um, but as for the song... I believe she wrote this like three or four years ago. So when she was like 13, yeah. which is very like Kate Bush or Paul McCartney-esque. Um, and I think I was 14 when that happened, the thing with me. Okay, and so it does, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it does have that kind of juvenile feel to it just in, lyrically, which I think it's going for, um, even with the kind of semi-ironic like audience reactions in the background and sound effects. Like I think there's a, she's almost undercutting the earnestness of the lyrics with that, which I thought was clever. Um, tune wise yeah. a bit more pedestrian than some of the other stuff she's done but it was still good <laughs> yeah um, not my favourite song are you asking me about the song? yeah itself um, her, I, her, I really like, like the production her, on her it, generally like, how does she strike you? because um, she is about really to be she's really about to be fucking f- massive Like so, I can't fault her I think she's a deadly um I think as far as what I've seen so far, she's a deadly role model and there's not a huge amount of that around at the moment on Instagram or Twitter and... Dave. Apart from... <laughs> look, that's a... Now, come on. Add handwritten Dave. That rat. <laughs> that um, rat. <laughs> um, I think she's deadly. And like you said, to have a... Po- when when we were younger, you know, for pop and metal to actually... and you're And... You're not diluting either by calling her that, which is a really amazing combo. Yeah, you know, no. people. You know, people. I remember being younger. People saying pop rock, and me being like, "That's a, the biggest oxymoron of all time. You can't call anything pop rock. They're both the op. They're both enemies. And pop and metal, in many ways, should be. But actually, you're exactly correct. And she, you can have an, you can have like um, a kind of an ethos <laughs> about yourself without actually having to represent both genres completely. Yeah, loyally. And I mean, earlier on, I mentioned Slipknot, a band that are very near and dear to my heart. Their debut album turns twenty this year, and I was there when it came out, and I was a huge fan. <laughs> I fucking adore that band, and I it is I, I mean this with the utmost sincerity, and I actually would love it to happen. It won't for ver- varying reasons, but Slipknot are obviously going to be back on tour soon. I would love to see a show where Billie Eilish opened for Slipknot. I think it would work perfectly. I think it would actually be great. I think it'd be an amazing experience. It'll never happen, but I, but she wouldn't be out of place. It, the combination would work. I think it would totally work. And also, I found myself, you know, like because Bury a Friend, which was the previous single, which mm. is a great song, yeah. has the refrain of I want to end me. And granted, it's from the point of view of like the monster under the bed, but obviously it's dealing with like fucking real issues. And I found the thing of like, you know, teenage people in that audience on Monday were screaming that refrain like gleefully. And I had the brief moment of like, oof, that's a bit dark. And then mm. I thought, well, Dave, when you were 17, you were going to Slipknot gigs. You were going to like fucking like, you know, you were going through all like, this is fine. Like, yeah, like teenagers can handle stuff. along to a lot worse than Teenagers that. can handle darkness. Yeah. You know, like they can absolutely handle darkness. I think that she is a great conduit. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. I think the suggestion, really, really by good. the way, that wish you were gay is problematic is really unreasonable. It's, I think that it's at the core of that problem it's really unreasonable what do you want from artists what do you want from lyricists what do you want from young people if not to actually say that's how I felt but yeah that's that's sincerely how I felt yes it might be wrong yes it might be problematic let's talk about it can't we can't say you can't but it goes back to that point of people latching onto things just so they can get some 
credit themselves. There's no understanding of the actual motives of the artist. Yeah. So it's completely, it's like, it's a sham. It's two weeks in a row you mentioned that, Craig. I think, I think you might have a problem. What Can I have a number, please? Uh, ah! p- p- people latching on to things and, and making it about themselves. Four. I fully agree, by the way. I'm just saying, it was a link. Number four. Link. Number four is New Jackson, the man who should have won the Choice Prize last year. He's back oh, with the five-track yeah. EP and this song is called Romance Car. All one word. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the shit out of it, mm. as I do anything he has. And, and again, I do try and check myself sometimes that I don't go. Oh, I just love it because of who he is, and, and I'm still thinking of the big romance, new romance, big romance, Duket. The big romance. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. And I do very much try and not just like everything positive. I think this is a gorgeous. Song, I think if you talking about like so many artists who have started off in one way and kind of evolved and just or not just slightly evolved but completely changed what they're doing, um, I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think he's a very he's a fucking talent, he really, really is. And like I say, I went to the Choice Bros last year and I had my top three albums, and New Jackson was in the top three, but it wasn't number one. By the end of that, it was, and I really feel like it should have won. That's an amazing record, and this EP is fucking class. This is great, and musically, I was I kept thinking it's so cinematic. Like I, I I'm like, yeah. Where is the Michael Mann film that I can put this onto? Yeah, yeah. Um, Where's the David Hanready film? That's what I say. Twenty thirty two. Is that the is that the official date? Yeah, yeah, it's confirmed. Yeah, it made me kind of quite nostalgic for I don't know quite what. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it has like it's obviously you know got French vibes, but then also it's quite Kraftworkian and it's it's poppy with that post disco kind of thing. He like he's. A bit of a master, I got a bit or whatever. Of he, off this, actually, yeah, he's a master because he. It's like it's like a problem I have with so much. Just as an example, it's a completely different genre of a lot of funk music because people that I that a lot of stuff that I've been listening to lately, people keep not writing songs. They're not writing tunes. They're 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 releasing jams, and that's fine. Yeah. There's a that that this is personal preference. Um. David Kitt knows how to write a song and, and within those beautiful, sprawling soundscapes, there are songs in there always. Like I, I just, I've, I think he's a complete inspiration as a, as a songwriter. He's really incredible. And you wouldn't be shocked if you heard Romance Car was the first thing you ever heard of his and then I played you old stuff of his. You would understand that that came from the same person. Yeah, it's strange that he has that kind of weird duality about him. But again, it never feels at odds with itself. Mm. Number three, please, Dave. Well, three people, uh, at least a few days ago, you told me. Hold on. There you go. Three people, at least, have asked Craig about this song. For all this subliminal 
That's right. It's the comeback of the Jonas Brothers. Song's called Sucker. Now, please, Craig, I'm begging you. Tell me about these water cooler conversations <laughs> you've been having. Yeah. Who is waiting for them to come back? I don't know. The three people who asked you about the song. Apparently people in my office, yeah. It's been six years. It hasn't felt like six years. I was not waiting for the return. Were you? I have... To, yeah, that'd be one of those things I have to admit. And I've no problem admitting if I've latched on to something that I think is lame. I did not know when they were. This completely no, no, the, the Jonas Brothers completely Possibly, passed me by. Yeah. I knew yeah. who they were. It was like a Disney Channel phenomenon, wasn't it? it was like yeah, an Ashley I was aware Tisdale. of it, but I never heard stuff. I didn't. It, it was. It was. It felt like it was exclusive. Like I've always to the been aware of Selena Gomez, for example, and she'd be from the same group. Am I right? Yeah, kind of that stable, right? Wasn't she Disney? Yeah, yeah. and I guess some yeah. stuff for for some reason as we all know, travels more than other stuff. The Jonas Brothers, am I right in thinking, didn't travel in the same sense to Ireland as it did? I can't recall oh, Sorry, it says me. Craig, please tell I me. I know, yeah. Um, I didn't realise they were so big, but, and they seemed, yeah, they seemed very kind of clean-cut American, almost puritanical. Like, they did the whole purity ring pop thing really I well, I guess. Say, back in the, yeah. Yeah. So they've kind of gone their separate ways. They're all grown up now, and they're back with a... I don't know, kind of weird stalkers anthem. <laughs> well, it's like, uh, th- that's like um, a situation where at that point that band can just reel out whatever. Yeah, totally. That yeah. song, and I really, I need to point out, I have absolutely no problem whatsoever giving kudos to a completely written for radio commercial pop song. Have no you problem. heard Backstreet Boys' <gasps> Don't Go Breaking My Heart? What do you mean? Like a recent? It is. Yeah. The song of last year. It's amazing. <laughs> song of the Camino. <laughs> <laughs> this was the song of the Camino for the Iraqer. Backstreet Boys. Mary, I'm telling you. Yeah. I'll play it for you. Like, it's it's oh, not, it's not way, on it's, the song of the week, It's not guys. a cover of Don't Go Breaking My Heart. It's not a cover of like, Don't Go Breaking My Heart. It's like a new song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay, phenomenal. well, I like that they have stayed it's true phenomenal. to form. Yeah, so uh, well, it's it's mostly that one, and then the rest of the album's not so good. It's okay, but okay, the Jones, though, okay. The have, you back, have you gone back to it? Yes, you've gone back to the Backstreet Boys. Because album. the thing is, I put on the track, and then like I'm doing, and the album's still going, and I'm like bopping away, bopping away. Yeah, okay. Jonas Brothers, on the other hand, I would agree with Craig. There's a bit of stalker thinging on here. It's Maroon Five meets the Police. Police being the operative word. Give them a you call. You know who wrote this, don't you? <laughs> is it Ed Sheeran? No. Tedder's at the wheel. Ryan Tedder, yeah. the man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a well put together pop song, but it is only at the wheel. <laughs> Did you watch the match? Yeah, of course. Here, Marine. I do have to check train times. Okay, yeah, go for okay, it. We'll okay, talk okay, about right. football for uh, thirty seconds. I, was, I wasn't mad on it. Last track of the week comes from the National, who are headlining <laughs> all together now. <laughs> all together now, headliners, and uh, that's all out this week. Uh, here's taste what you'll be hearing if you're going to Waterford this year. It's the National. I have owed it to my heart Every word I've said You have no idea How hard I died when you left If I yield to my trances Will I get up close again? Track one off a new album It's called You Had Your Soul With You uh, I saw the National five times in the space of about that many years and they were a band that I was like I could go see them all the time haven't seen them in a long time kind of overdosed on it I'm desperate to see them again I'm, I, I was sad to miss them recently I kind of want to go to all together now I've heard nothing but positive things and them as a headliner seems just about right and this song I'm really digging it man can I just say all together now I went for Friday and a little bit of Saturday last year and it was one of the most wonderful not a single experiences. negative report not a single negative report Incredible. everyone everyone has in said. Term, if you want to use the word curated 
and not just use it about stage bookings. Every corner of that festival is curated beautifully from the top to the bottom. It's beautiful. Well, the demand is there. Sold for, out anyway. So. Sold out, yeah. Uh, even with extra capacity, the demand is there for like a return to picnic days of yore. The National feel like just right for it. The lineup feels just right for it. Craig, is this song just right for yeah, National fans? I think it's great. Um, I think it's um, building on some of the artistic, artistic strides they'd be making with the last record um, and doing like really fresh stuff with it. I'm not sure if the problem was, because I was right there with you in terms of we saw them quite a lot. We were just tired of them. I'm not sure if the problem was with us or with them because I do feel like they had a few years where they felt a bit tired. Yeah, the album everyone loved, High Violet, Lost. That's when I kind of I was like, yeah, it's not the best. And then it was and followed up with Trouble Find Me, which that is was fine. where it just felt like they were treading water a bit. Sleep Well Beast was a good return to form. I'm I'm feeling good about this album, and I'm I'm excited about the National again. I understand uh, if we're gonna rag on Chic, we gotta rag on the National. They do come here a lot. But it does feel like the demand is swelling. I, and that's, that, actually, that's not fair because the demand is obviously there for Chic as well. Uh, I just prefer. Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's like one dude I've caught in myself. the office who keeps being like, "We must get Chic back for my own." Yeah, there's obviously <laughs> something there. All right. Um, obviously, last year you had Aaron Desner working with <laughs> Justin Vernon on Big Red Machine, and it feels like a lot of those kind of moves are like feeding into this, right? A little bit. What do you think, Mary? <laughs> um, the National for me are kind of an example of a band that I that make me not bear with me. That make me not like albums because I find it really hard listening sometimes to people talk about bands based on albums um, because it's such a strange thing. Because albums are written and released and recorded because of time frames and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So often, if you if you listen to, uh, like, two albums back-to-back, you can kind of see the end of one thing trickle into another. So I find The National are a really big example for me of a band that I rarely listen to them as albums, that I would listen to them, like, loads of different things across their career. And I think they, they're, they've rarely made a misstep for me. Yeah. Um... They've never entirely set my world alight, to be honest. But that's fine. I don't need everything to set my world alight either. You mentioned albums. You mentioned time frames. You're on a tight time frame. We've got an album. Let's get to it. It's Sigrid. <laughs> but I still come back for the sucker punch. Just Now, before we get into Sigrid, uh, Mary, as a host of Other Voices, was that good hosting for me? Or I, th- I thought that was a good link, right? I started, um, off, I started off the show with a really bad link, and I've, I've, I think I've just got it. I'd just like to say that your constant self-reviewing um, is on point, absolutely. The second Self-immolation, I thought you were going to go for. The, 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 the second can. Self-sacrifice for the sake of this podcast. second can of beer has kicked in, I feel. Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, Sigrid is a Norwegian pop sensation prize to take over the world. Also, very popular in Ireland, and we'll get to that as well. It's an aspect of this mm. I'd like to get into. Uh, one of her recent visits to the country, 
saw her wow people at other voices at Electric Picnic before doing the same at the Electric Arena. I was present for both shows, and the more intimate one was genuinely mind-blowing, I thought. You were there as well. You interviewed her right afterwards. Mm. You saw the devotion from the fans in the front row crying their eyes out and Sigrid's genuine connection with them. You had a personal moment just even chatting to her. Uh, overall, what is your kind of relationship with her, and how do you feel about her as, you know, kind of a new artist who has kind of taken a lot of people, like, in terms of imagination and heart. People seem to really, really, really like this person. Yeah, I I don't know how you wouldn't. I don't know how you wouldn't, even if you just disliked her music, I don't know how you, how you wouldn't like her, how you wouldn't admire her. Um, even when she played the picnic, I don't know how she did this. There could be people reminding her, but when she came to Dingle, she remembered everybody. Um, she goes on stage and doesn't kind of make a, big thing of it but she knows exactly what she's doing but it doesn't feel contrived in any way whatsoever um, I don't know how to describe her without making her sound like a boring kind of um, robot of a human because that's that's not what I mean at all but she seems to have been born for this and be ultimately kind of taking it in her stride a lot I don't know how I don't know how to say, again, I don't know how to say that about her without... I think you're saying it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think she's brilliant. I I think she's absolutely brilliant. Um, on paper, I would find her, like, if you told me about her, I'd say, tell you I wouldn't be into it. And I'd say no. And you'd play me a chorus of something and I'd say no, that wouldn't be for me. And I just wouldn't find a connection with it. I don't see how you wouldn't get it. Yeah, the um, album is called Sucker Punch and we played audio from the opening track there which I think is a great way to start this album because it starts you off uh, atop a mountain really. Um, an interesting kind of battle that a lot of musicians have and it's not just exclusive to international ones on major labels. I mean, Saint Sister who, like I say, are my pick for the choice prize guys. Uh, although at this point I've yeah, yeah, revealed yeah, it in the episode re- so it's like future Dave <laughs> talking to past Dave now and it's getting a bit confusing. Oh God, the world is about to explode. But I'll just say that... Uh, Saint Sister released their album in a very staggered fashion. We heard like four or five tracks or maybe even more. Same with Sigrid, same with a lot of artists. This is commonplace now. And I wonder when you get to the album itself, do you feel shortchanged? Or is that the right relationship to have with it? Because a lot of these tracks we've heard already. Craig Fitzpatrick, how do you feel about that? Shortchanged is definitely not the term whatsoever because this... Sorry, man, I was just trying to make a conversation. <laughs> Whoa, Craig! <laughs> no, because as like a pure kind of pop album as like an opening gambit this is pretty much bulletproof isn't it it's just like full of radio hits and that could be like very much damning with faint kind of critical praise but actually it goes beyond that and i think some of the risks she takes at times and some of the like left field moments don't feel like kind of add-ons don't feel like oh she's compromising the rest of the record it shows kind of the potential the other layers and what is to come um like that opening one too Sucker Punch which we are familiar with quite a lot uh, mine right now as well which is just elevates it even further and then from there it doesn't really let up that much um, no it doesn't I mean like you got tracks like Strangers which we know very well Don't Kill My Vibe these, these were calling cards yeah. and it closes with Dynamite which was <sighs> I think that moment in other voices <sighs> when she sang that at the end and one fan was just convulsing with tears and no, Sigurd. I wasn't. <laughs> and Sigurd, like, you know, like, got down and embraced her. And then Sigurd herself was balling in the electric arena later on. It was an emotional day on yeah. the Saturday of Electric Picnic 2018. She's a, I mean, from every angle, as a vocalist, she is, 
she's yeah flawless I mean and when I say flawless I don't mean I don't mean perfect I mean the way she sings these songs is it's perfect I mean I I, I yeah sorry I, I can't I kind of can't get over her really the versatility is like something else because she can do like certain songs like like an in vain where it's quite strained and you just feel that like range of emotion that really yeah. works but then elsewhere like she's kind of weaponized warbling she does this kind of thing where you know it's <laughs> it can sound like it's just her showing off but she uses that kind of stretched out notes and like variation to like find new melodies so and she's a real and stuff. she's a real Andrew How's Your Burn is what you're trying to say <laughs> But I just felt like it's it, it's never this is all too nice for Dave. It's never like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like she's kind of it's never it never feels showy. There's hooks upon hooks within her just stretching out lines, which, which is really is interesting that you say that though, because yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, I'm gonna blow your mind. Blow your mind. Oh, <laughs> I love Whoa. that you tripped up on that. <laughs> Expectation management is a huge part of the no encore process. Albums are an audio medium. We can't see Sigrid sing these songs. <laughs> <laughs> because a huge, part Yoda her, there. a huge part of her appeal is that like she has this natural connection with the audience and amazing chemistry. I saw her play in the Academy and I saw her play a picnic. I mean, and she has this kind of, I mean, I guess if you were being really cliche in the 80s, you'd describe it as a girl next door quality. You know, she fucking just like looks like a normal person who you would be friends with and go to the pub with. She doesn't look like a fucking Lady Gaga or whoever. And that's part, part, no, part of the appeal as well. Does. Lady Gaga looks like Lady Gaga, I think. Yeah. But, um, but no, ultimately, but the point I'm trying to, the point I'm straight to make here is that like, to still have that kind of captivity on the record, just purely listen to these songs and to get across what Craig is saying in terms of like the the empathy. I think empathy is a big word mm. that this album should be associated with because um, In Vain in particular is the big heartbreak anthem in as much as that's when she lets her voice kind of like get to the stage where you're like, oh Christ, I mean like, I presume that must have hurt to record that day because it's so raw. And then that feeds into Don't Kill My Vibe. And I, I must say, I mean like listen to this album um I got a bit emotional, guys. I, yeah. got, I got a bit yeah, emotional. Yeah. I mean, it genuinely does reach into your fucking chest. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I understand that. That sucks. There's a, there's a genre of music. I don't know what you call it, but it's like um, it's like a bunch of dudes that are kind of hopeful about stuff in a really insincere, annoying way. It's, it's called like, a podcast. I want it. Or no, 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 And they all have guitars. That felt very Blink-182, but... Yeah, possibly. Sigrid has this amazing ability... To do that really kind of almost blind hopefulness in a lot of these songs of like, yes, you hurt me and yes, I'm upset, but I'm not going to be, you know, you don't kill my vibe. It's a really amazing thing to be able to do sincerely, I think, because yeah. I, I, I don't, again, if you wrote down a, what this stuff all sounds like, I would tell you that, no, I get a bang of insincerity off it straight away and I won't be into it. But she does it. You just, I believe her entirely. And I, I, weirdly, I trust her. And I don't usually need to trust people yeah, I know that I mean. watch on stage. Yeah, like we talked about Pink's recent single, which just felt like very much going for that anthemic, just emotional, we're all in this together kind of thing. Whereas her stuff is like self-evidently anthemic, just by yeah. virtue of it being good, I guess, and true. It's yeah. not trying to be... Oh, this is your big kind of heartbreak anthem. I don't know. At the same time, yeah, is the hand overplayed a bit too much? I did find that with repeat listens, the magic wore off a little bit. Well, I think that's down to the instrumentation, the production. I felt like she's at times restrained by what is quite on trend or even like slightly past trends. I don't but know. But ultimately, it's... hasn't she set herself up? She, yeah. I am so curious 
Oh yeah, which I, I have to say I haven't felt as curious about a second album. I know it's really, by the way, unfair. I've I, I've I've thought about it recently. It's really unfair in an artist when you're previewing the release of their first album to go. I can't wait for the second one, but I'm so curious. About we do that go. all the fucking time, and I, know, I, and I catch myself. Terrible. Yeah, we're awful, uh, and I catch myself <laughs> doing that, and I'm like, oh, this is all. And even, but even doing an interview with someone and then asking about the next album, it becomes such a cliche. But at the same time, I, I know exactly what you're saying. There is like this connectivity here. You now want to follow the fucking thread. And you, you know, know like, yeah, what I what it is, I think, is she's hitting a lot of the pop points that she knows will work, and she's doing it marvelously. But there's like, like there'll be a slide guitar that reminds you of like some Coldplay anthemic bit and you're you're picking like all these kind of flawed moments not even flawed but just kind of not revelatory moments that are kind of scattered throughout the album they will fall away on subsequent re- releases and the meat of this record is just phenomenal mm. so yeah. why am I feeling it's a 7 out of 10 because you're a 7 out of 10 know. kind of guy Dave it's an A for me I really like it you're on 8 are you yeah. I really like it I really like her but there's just something where I, I found myself less compelled the more I've come back which has been a facet this year it's been the same with Maggie Rogers the same with like James Blake even I was like an initial burst of oh, holy shit this is fantastic and then me kind of getting into critical Dave mode which everyone loves I just think that the that's what I mean about albums like it's just I find it very hard to give an album something out of 10 because it kind of closes the door on something when that's what I mean about someone like Sigrid, um, and the same with New Jackson, with a lot of artists like that. The same with like Villagers, it's just so intriguing. You feel are you gonna like be the first person? Train. Are you gonna be the first person in the history of the show to give an album question mark out of ten? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like do, you let I her I into do that, Dave. Upside down <laughs> smiley standard emoji out of ten. That's fair. I, not we sense. need a number. Um. In a world of no sevens. <laughs> in a world of no sevens, Sigrid is an... Sigrid's a ten. For the album? <laughs> I, I'm not giving you a, a score on the album. Get out of the studio. <laughs> well, we're finished, so... You're finished. And you can't... <laughs> you're, fin- you're finished in this business. <laughs> you will never... One last question. Uh, is she playing Ireland too much? Because she's over here like f- three times this year and was over here four times last year. I think that's kind of what I mean about trusting her. I think she knows what she's doing. Um, she's opening for the Coronas. Like, it's like, what's going on there? I don't think she's I playing too much. <laughs> what? No, like I, I will go and see her when she's playing next. Have you seen her before? No, oh, that's dude, what she, I'm saying. She is so, she's, so she's clearly not playing too much. All right. This episode of No Encore has been engineered by our sonic architect, Eve Murray. In the other listening corner, Mary, have you been listening to anything just generically, generally, or Gen- something Janelle you're loving? Janelle Monet, I am, I cannot, I cannot get enough of that album, Dirty Computer. I cannot. I know it's not new, but I... That's allowed. Start doesn't, listening to doesn't it. Doesn't gotta be new. And I, I, I am, I am busting moves on trains and... <laughs> being asked to leave said being train being asked to leave social situations um, are you yeah. on a gig? you should play in Trinity yeah Trinity, <laughs> Trinity Summer Series you going to be there? Uh, probably yeah <laughs> you, you sound so overwhelmed it's the end of the show don't worry it's fine uh, Craig what about you? Uh, Tierra Wack is still doing her Wack History Month which is like a track a week um, and Gloria is out and it's surprisingly great like yeah so just listen to her a lot oh Elder Island as well I've just gotten into Elder Island recently. They came on to like a kind of a Spotify radio type thing because of um, I was listening to Roy X and a couple of other things, Little Dragon and stuff like that. And Elder Island came on. I know they're playing here in a few months. Um, but yeah, deadly, deadly stuff. I've been oh. listening to Music for the Josie Generation by The Prodigy. Yes. Rest in peace, Keith Flint. 
So yeah, that's the show, guys. Thanks so much, Mary, for coming in. You're awesome. Hey. Love you. Yes. Always, always welcome back. Yes. We love you. And yeah, oh, sorry. Before you go, uh, I believe there's like like Galaxy just won a coveted Hot Press Best Dance Act of the Year award. Oh, Congratulations. Yes. 2018 Readers Poll winners. Tell you. They don't give them. Those, they don't give those out to just anybody. <laughs> uh, but I am hearing that there's like there's 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 new stuff in the works. Like the, you're gonna, yep. the galaxy are going to basically change what people expect from them. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. <laughs> Forget what you <laughs> um, think you know. No, absolutely. And I and I, um, yeah, it's it's very exciting. I'm I'm doing that. You're thing, not allowed to anything. Yeah. Um, not that I'm not allowed. It's very much um, a work in progress at the moment, but. Um, it is in progress for sure. And awesome. It's going to be amazing. I'm very excited about it. Awesome. Very sorry, sorry, Dave. You're Hello. now barefoot. Yeah, that's studio. right. Yeah. yeah, took off my socks. Want people to know that? What? Yeah, yeah took off my socks. Yeah. Uh, can we finish maybe a little bit before you introduce that song on one of your favorite tweets about sure. Ed Power? One of my favorite tweets about Ed Power from a great oh, Irish yeah, musician. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, like the person. Oh my God! Yes, of course. Yeah, yes. Sorry, yes. The, the person who I'm won. <laughs> The person who I sorry before, pre-clap. Sorry, well, hang on, hang on. Sorry, 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 sorry. Before we get to that, on the way up to the studio, uh, the Alison Spittle show was being recorded by Alison Spittle with her very oh, special God. guest Michael Fry, who was our guest recently. And Mary met him on the stairs and fucking lost your mind. Yeah. I blushed. You hugged him, did you? Yeah, but I just hug everyone. He's a lovely guy. He's a lovely. He is. Guy. He's great, great. She found that we worked together, and she was like, "You get to work with him." All right, Dave. <laughs> Okay, so no, but the person who won Twitter this week mm-hmm. and won the whole Ed Power Wyvernlinger debate was, of course, our former roving reporter. Maybe someday will be again. David Tapley of Tandem Felix fame, who tweeted out a simple message, and it said, "With Ed Power comes Ed responsibility." I love him. Yes, what a man. There you go. The real choice music. Unbelievable. Prize. Yeah. Closing out this. Uh, closing us out this week for exit music. <laughs> <laughs> is our old friend participant aka Stephen Tiernan who has another yes, beautiful man great mm-hmm. man guest yes. on the show before we only have the best people on I that's know. how it works I'm we've got a new guest coming on next week it's going to be really really good uh, her name is Molly Sterling I'm very you. much looking forward to that <laughs> but for, she's not in the studio yet but first oh. Oh, sorry. participant sorry. his oh, project sorry. has a brand new track it's called Medicine and uh, it's great because he's great and mm. he always makes good music and here it is my name is David William Hanready this has been No Encore there will be No Encore back next week
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.